I'm Dr. Max Pemberton, a doctor and Daily Mail columnist, and this is part three of a special three-part podcast for Male Plus Health, where I speak to Mr. Damien Lake, consultant ophthalmologist at the Queen Victoria Hospital in East Grinstead. First up, will taking some kind of eye supplement help prevent problems like cataracts and age-related macular degeneration in the future? Is there anything you yourself take or recommend? I'm 50. Now, the evidence for eye supplements and cataracts is no. There's not really anything you can take which is going to lessen the um, chances of you getting cataracts. If you live a healthy lifestyle, so you know a, a diet rich in fruit and vegetables, a little bit of exercise, you know maybe a glass of wine every now and again, um, that's that's as good as you can do. Um, you'll have seen there are books on doing eye exercises and taking this, that, and the other for for cataracts, but those when you research them, they don't work. So a little bit of exercise, good diet, that's all you, and no smoking. That that's what you should do. Now, for macular degeneration, that's different. Now, the same um, lifestyle issues apply. So a little bit of exercise, no smoking, uh, and a good diet, a diet rich in antioxidants. So fruit and vegetables is very important. Now, if you have early signs of macular degeneration, you may need to take a supplement which would help you in the long term and lessen the risk of you developing severe macular degeneration by about 25 to 30%. Now, a big study was done in America called the Age-Related Eye Disease Study, AREDS, which gave these supplements to about 4,000 people. And they looked at these supplements over a number of years, and they found that they, they lessened the risk by about 30%, as I said. And those are commercially available. There are many different uh, brands available. Now, if you have early age-related macular degeneration, they are very useful, and you should take those. And and is there any benefit in taking them, you know, just even if you've got nothing, but you're just a bit worried about it? No, if you're worried about it and you've got no signs, then there's, there's not going to be a beneficial effect that we know of. You don't need to do that. You just need to have the, you need to deal with the lifestyle factors. No smoking, exercise, glass of wine. If you've got actual signs, then it's going to be beneficial to you. And you should take those. And there was a further study called um, AREDS2, Inventive. Um, in which they just changed the uh, formula very slightly. So they took out a substance called beta-carotene and uh, they use lutein and zeanthine, very long, complicated words. And they sort of sponge up the free radicals or oxidants in the, in the bloodstream, which damaged the cells at the back of the eye. And those were found to decrease the risk by about a further 10%. So the, most of the products on the market now are of that AREDS2 formula. Um, and if you've got early signs of macular degeneration, or in fact any macular degeneration, if it was a family member of mine, I would recommend that you get those. And um, They're not cost-free, unfortunately. They're generally not available on the NHS. They're going to cost you about 20 to 30 pounds a month, I'm afraid. Um, but... They've got significant benefits. They're not going to make it better, but they're going to stop it from getting worse. So, you know, any family member of mine, I would recommend that too. And are these things like, is it right? I've, I've seen them sold in, in pharmacies and stuff called like things like Macula Shield and stuff like that. Is, it, is, it, is this what we're talking about? 
yeah, I mean, the big brand names are MacuShield, uh, iCaps, um, and similar similar products are out there. And even the, even the the pharmacies tend to do own brand products now. Um, so you know they're they're easily available. Okay. My 75-year-old father has been told he needs cataract surgery on both eyes, but it's a long NHS waiting list made worse by the COVID crisis. We're also concerned that, understandably, he might not get the best possible replacement lens on the NHS. Can you explain the difference between what NHS and private patients get? And if we were to go private, what are the best options and how much might they cost? So the NHS and private issue is uh, a matter of choice and a matter of the product that you get really so on the health service it's common that you will have had some blurred vision you'll have gone to your optician or optometrist who would have diagnosed cataracts you'll get referred into your nhs hospital you will have had to wait approximately up to 18 weeks or so to see somebody who may or may not be a doctor who will assess your cataracts and do the necessary measurements. You will then be put on a waiting list for a game, which you'll have to wait up to 18 weeks, although perhaps in the current situation, even longer to then have surgery by a surgeon that you may not have met or know who will then do the surgery. You will then have usually one eye done and then come back to a post-operative clinic, which may either be in your opticians or in the hospital, or in some places, just a telephone call. You then, for the other eye, have to go through the same process again. So it's quite a long wait. So there's the time issue. From a private point of view, if your optician finds that you've got a cataract, um, you can either um, directly call up your local private ophthalmologist and book an appointment to see them to get the cataract done. Or if you're in, if, if you're paying from your own money. Or if you're an insured patient, you usually have to get permission from either your insurance company or the insurance company can uh, ask you to see your GP before you get referred to the private ophthalmologist. Once you've seen the private ophthalmologist, they'll go through the lens options. Now the lens options are the, are the next thing which is different between the NHS and uh, private care. Now when you do cataract surgery, you, usually it's done under local anaesthetic, so with eye drops. You're lying down, you clean the skin around the eye with um, antiseptic solution. There's a drape over the lashes and a little holder to stop the eye from blinking. You lie down, look straight forward at a light, and the surgery on average takes about 20 minutes, although it can take longer in some circumstances. And during that 20 minutes, the surgeon goes inside the eye through a tiny wound less than two millimeters wide, removes the cataract and then injects a new plastic lens through the same two millimeter opening, which unfolds inside the eye. Now that plastic lens can have various properties. Now in the NHS, the usual lens that they use is the single vision lens, which means that it's got one focus, which for most people will mean that it's okay in the distance, but you need to wear glasses for middle distance and up close and in some people who have something called astigmatism which means that the front of the eye is curved in one direction more than another they will need to wear glasses both in the distance and up close now if you uh, go and see a private doctor and they're adequately trained in this 
then they can use something called a toric lens if you've got astigmatism, which corrects the astigmatism. They may also suggest that you can have something called a multifocal lens, which has got various focal points, which means that without glasses, most of the time, you can see in the distance, in the middle distance and, and up close without requiring to wear glasses all the time. You may, wear to, you may need to wear glasses in some circumstances if you've got tiny writing or if the light's not very bright, but for most day-to-day -day usage, they'll enable a, a much broader field of vision. Although they can, in some circumstances, cause a bit more glare because of those variable focus lights. So you may find it a bit more difficult driving at night. So that's the one caveat, really. But on the NHS, um, there's a body called NICE, the National Health Care, whatever they're called, standards issue. Now, they looked at uh, cataract surgery a couple of years ago, and they decided that they were not going to recommend the use of either multifocal lenses or toric lenses on the NHS. So in most NHS hospitals, those will not be available. There may be very, very small number of people who may have had those in the past, but in most cases, they're, they're now not used on, in the NHS. And, and those are the main differences. Although, of course, with private care, if you're self-paying, you get to choose your surgeon. So, you know, you may wish to have Dr. X, Mr. X do your cataract surgery. With insurance schemes, that may not always be the case. Insurance companies can sometimes insist that you use a particular ophthalmologist. But on the NHS, uh, you rarely get a choice at all. You're generally put onto a common waiting list and you have the surgeon that's available on the day to do the cataract surgery. So those are the main differences. And she's asking about cost, because presumably these different types of lenses, they're different costs. Presumably also there's, there's a difference in the type of, you know, where you are in the country, because presumably if you go to somewhere in central London, it's going to be pricier than if you go maybe out of London. But what sort of cost, sort of range are we, are we talking here? Yes, you're right. The, the, the difference around the country is, is relatively broad, but certainly central London, you're going to pay a lot more money. But in general, outside of central London, for a monofocal lens, which is the single vision lens, private cataract surgery, you will pay approximately 2,500 per eye. For a top range lens, so if you needed the toric lens because you've got astigmatism, and you wanted it to be multifocal to see distance, middle and near, you're probably looking more in the range of about £4,000 per eye. Right. Now, in some places, they use um, additional technology called a, a femtosecond laser to do one part of the cataract surgery. And that can cost a bit more money as well. Although, personally, myself, I don't recommend that because there's no evidence that it has increased benefit for the patient but it does cost them more money so it doesn't seem a wise thing to spend your money on really so it sounds like if you do choose to go privately it pays to kind of shop around a bit and to think carefully about actually what it is you actually want and to try and understand as best you can the different options with regard to things like the lenses and what suits you and your needs and your eye and sort of you know work out uh, according to your budget yeah it really is um, a, a good surgeon will go through your lifestyle to work out what's going to be best for you. Someone who's a professional driver at night is not going to be great with multifocal lenses. But somebody who spends a lot of time either doing near work, reading, or spends a lot of time doing 
you know, something like golf and looking near where the golf ball is and then in the distance is probably going to benefit more from a multifocal lens. So it's important to have a long chat with your surgeon to get across to them what your needs are from the surgery and definitely what you don't want to happen. So the next question is, I am 80 and have just been diagnosed with dry macular degeneration. At the moment, I can see very well. How long will it take before my sight begins to deteriorate? Is there nothing that can be done? I'm devastated. So I think this is this obviously macular degeneration. There's a lot more awareness. I remember when I was at medical school, we learned about this. You know, people didn't seem to know anything about it. And I think now it's something that lots of people know about. There's still some confusion because there's different types, isn't there? And this, this, this person saying that she's got dry macular degeneration, but there's two different main types. Is that right? That's right. I mean, first of all, it's a really sad condition and people often do get very uh, scared and devastated when the diagnosis is first made. The important thing to realize is that most old, elderly people do not have macular degeneration. And if you have early macular degeneration, the likelihood is that you are never going to notice any problem in your lifetime. But in a small subset, it can develop further and can affect vision and can, and can be a cause of you not being able to drive. Uh, and it's the commonest cause, unfortunately, of, of elderly people becoming registered sight impaired, which is obviously very sad. You're right, there are different types of macular degeneration. The first thing to be aware of is what the macula is, of course. Now, the macula is the central area of the retina at the back of the eye. So your eye focuses the light onto the macula. The macula then turns that light into a signal, which goes to the brain, and the brain turns that into a picture, which we, we can see. Now, if the macula is affected by macular degeneration, it can affect your vision by reducing your vision, and particularly in the central area. So generally the peripheral area is okay, but the central area can become affected. Like you said, there are two main types, dry macular degeneration and wet macular degeneration. What's the difference? Well, in the dry macular degeneration, you get wear and tear of the layers of the macula. It's generally a slow condition over many years. It's not a sudden loss. Whereas the wet macular degeneration is when you get little blood vessels growing underneath the retina, they break through into the retina and then they can suddenly bleed or leak and you get a sudden reduction in vision quite quickly. Now the wet macular degeneration can be treated in most cases with um, what sounds horrific, but it involves injections inside the eye of something called monoclonal antibodies. Now, those molecules work by shrinking those blood vessels. That helps resolve all the swelling and bleeding in the back of the eye and vision can be improved. And that's a very common procedure performed by the NHS and by private doctors. It's often required every month for the first year and then less so over time. Now, the dry macular degeneration is less devastating in as much as the visual loss is generally less and it takes much longer for that visual loss to occur but unfortunately the treatment aspect of dry macular degeneration is not as advanced as with wet macular degeneration so we've talked about things that can prevent the dry macular degeneration from getting worse like you know good diet so healthy fruit and vegetables we've talked about not smoking a little bit of exercise the other things you can't affect. So there's a genetic component, 
And of course, we all get older. We can't really affect that. Treatment-wise, there are a few things on the horizon, different lasers that are being used, which have shown some early promise. One has recently got a CE mark, so it's available uh, in some centers, is photobiomodulation, which uses a specific wavelength of light, which stimulates what we call the mitochondria, which are the little energy-producing um, cells inside the retina to function better, to clear some of the buildup of waste material, something that eye doctors call drusen, which are little white spots we see at the back of the eye in early age-related macular degeneration. And there's some evidence that that helps uh, prevent the progression of dry macular degeneration. But it's early days with that, and, and we'll see over time whether that's going to be something useful. And we talked about the supplements, the AREDS tablets, so MacuShield and iCaps, um, which you should take if you've got early age-related macular degeneration of the dry type, because that's going to minimise your chances of it getting worse or um, converting to wet macular degeneration. Because, because you've got dry macular degeneration doesn't mean you can't get wet macular degeneration later. So it's very important to be aware of that. And if you do notice any sudden deterioration in your vision or increase in distortion in your vision, you need to go and see an eye care professional as soon as possible because the sooner you get treatment in the way of the injections, the better chance you've got of preserving your vision in the long term. So the last question, I'm pleased someone asked about this because I've got this, so I'm, I'm going to be very interested. So for the past 12 weeks, I have suffered from floaters in my eyes, which my doctor said is caused by a detached vitreous humour. When in the dark, I experienced flashing lights at the side of my vision. The first specialist I saw said it would settle down given time, but the second said it wouldn't get any better. Is there anything that I can do to help this situation? Now, I say that I've got this because... Um, me along with lots and lots of other people have got floaters and when you google kind of floaters it comes up with sometimes some quite scary things so yeah. there's two parts of this question really there's the first bit about the floaters and what are they what can you do to get them better you know to get rid of them um, and then the second part is this kind of detached vitreous humor which this person says that they've had so the vitreous humor is a clear jelly inside the eye and it's sort of like, it's sort of the scaffold around which the eye is built when we're an embryo. After that, it's really not got any great function. It's just there, but it can cause problems. Now, as we get older, it breaks down a little bit and some areas of it become liquid and other areas of it become sort of fibrous and solid. And the fibrous strands float around in the liquid and we often see these floaters floating around in our field of vision. And they're a pain, but they're not dangerous. Now, the vitreous itself is attached to the retina at the back of the eye. And it's attached strongly in about three places and loosely elsewhere. Now, again, in most people, as the vitreous changes and it gets little areas where it's liquid, it shrinks. And as it shrinks, it pulls away from the retina. Now, when it does that, we call it a posterior vitreous detachment. By itself, it's not dangerous, except sometimes as it collapses down and it pulls away from the retina, it creates a little tear in the retina. Now, when you've got a little tear in the retina or a little hole in the retina, the liquid from the jelly can get through the hole and it can cause the retina to peel away from the back of the eye. 
So it like goes around the sort of back, as it were, and kind of pushes, pushes it away. Yeah, and then the retina comes off a bit like wet wallpaper. And that's a problem. That's a retinal detachment, and that can cause visual loss. And if it's, if it's affecting the central vision, then it can cause long-term visual loss. So it's important to get that early to check that there are no retinal tears. It doesn't happen very frequently when you have a posterior vitreous detachment but it happens enough that, it, that it, it causes a lot of problems. But if you get it at the stage where there's a little tear or a little hole in the retina, we can do some laser around that tear to seal it down to prevent it from turning into a retinal detachment. If it's gone a bit further than that and you've got an early retinal detachment, then we do a surgery where we go inside the eye, we remove the jelly, we fill the eye up with a gas to and push the retina back up against the, the back of the eye. And in most cases, that will cure a retinal detachment. If it's got to the stage where the whole retina's come off, then we can do that operation, but it's less likely that the result will be that your vision is saved. So it's important to get that earlier. Now, if you don't have a retinal tear or a retinal detachment, and it's just a posterior vitreous detachment, you tend to get a, either a circular floater or much more dense floaters than you would have done otherwise. And I think that both of those opinions are correct. Yes, it does get better in time, in as much as people get used to it and they tend to block out the effect. It tends to be more common when, just like the room you're in now or I'm in now, we've got white walls. When you look at the white walls, you're gonna see them much easier. So they're always there to some extent. So they never go away completely. It's just that the brain blocks out the image. So you, you get used to them. So both opinions are correct to some degree. So things like flashing lights or like a sudden change in your vision, that, that would suggest you should go as soon as possible to see a doctor and potentially then be referred on uh, to, an, uh, to an eye doctor to, to find out what's been going on. Like don't delay. Correct. So... We said that the, the vitreous jelly inside the eye initially is attached to the retina. Now the retina is full of cells which determine light and dark. So if you stimulate a retinal cell, it will tell the brain that it's seeing light. So as the vitreous collapses down and tugs on the retina, the retina interprets that as light and you get a flash of light. So that's what's happening at that time. So if you get a prolonged burst of uh, flashing lights, and then you see floaters or little black cells in, the, in, the, in your vision, then that's indicative that there may have been a retinal tear or a retinal detachment, early retinal detachment, and it's important that you go and get an eye care professional to check that out to make sure that there's nothing that requires treatment. And what would you recommend people do if that was to happen? You know, so it's an evening, they suddenly notice this happening. Would they wait until the next day to speak to the GP or would they just go straight to A&E? What, what would you recommend? Uh, I think that if it's daytime hours, then either go to the hospital and they'll get the on-call eye doctor to see you or go and see an optician if they're open and they will refer you directly to the eye doctor. If it's the middle of the night, I don't think you need to go to, you don't need to get a casualty at one o'clock in the morning, but certainly go there as soon as it's, you know, business hours, eight, nine o'clock in the morning, um, because it's likely that they'll be able to operate on you during the day. But one o'clock in the morning, it's not likely they're going to operate at one o'clock in the morning, but they will do during the day. And, and floaters in general, though, they're, they're not anything to worry about. If you've had them for a long time, many years, 
and you're used to them, then it's not anything to worry about. That's fairly common in the community. But if it's new on set with flashing lights and black dots throughout the vision, then you need to go and see somebody urgent. That's all we've got time for today. If you want more from Damien Lake, here's at damienlake.com. And you can find us on Spotify, Apple and Google. Whilst you're there, please leave us a review. And don't forget to sign up for the Daily Mail Plus briefings at mailplus.co.uk. 